Good evening, everybody. Um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, I'm pretty sure that you guys are, I'm, I'm really hoping, not sure, but I'm really hoping that you guys are well and are staying safe and uh, staying healthy. Uh, we're, this is our part where we uh, begin with our, or with our message. You usually dismiss the children, but uh, I hope for the parents uh, with the Sunday school kids, I hope that you guys are doing the, the Sunday school uh, activities that uh, Sister Lorna has uh, uh, planned and given to you guys. At the same time, I'm hoping that you guys are also joining the one that Sister Loretta Gumavoy is doing for your children. I really appreciate that. And I know that there is a couple of Bible studies that our, our Deacon Richard is holding and the young adults and uh, the prayer meetings. I'm, I'm glad that we're still able to connect. Please join me. Oh, what is it? And the youth, that's right, youth on Thursdays. Youth on Thursdays, I'm sorry. Yes, I know my children are, are I've joined that the past three weeks, right? It's been good. Well, by the way, I want to say hello to Alazo and Gianna. I think they're they're with they're joined they joined us this evening. Um, please join me. Please turn your Bibles to the Book of Acts, chapter one. I'm going to be reading from um, verses two to eleven. Uh, guys, I forgot the clicker. <laughs> All right, but let me read this. Verse 2, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, speaking about Jesus. This is Luke who wrote the book of Acts. Thank you. Uh, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before this very before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Please join me in a word of prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for another evening that you have given to us as a church family to hear, to learn, to study, and hopefully afterwards, Lord, to apply your word and your teachings to our lives through the use of your holy word. We pray that your Holy Spirit will be upon us, your believers, 
and teach us and guide us and enlighten us that the very thing that you want us to hear, that very thing that you want us to hear and to learn this evening. Lord, may we live our lives to glorify you and may you empower us with your Holy Spirit. May your Holy Spirit remove the blinders that is covering the eyes of those people who still have to surrender their lives to you and to accept you as their Lord and be saved from their sins. Again, Father, guide us and teach us. Empower me, Lord God, and give me the wisdom to know what to say and what not to say in order for me to be that vessel that you want me to be. Do not let anything about me or my preparation stop you from speaking to your people tonight through this message that you have given me. We rely on you completely. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Um, again, thank you very much for tuning in. And hopefully you guys have your Bibles and um, you read along with me. Uh, tonight I entitled our message, Expectation Versus Reality. We're still in the, uh, the Aftermath Resurrection Series. I think Mikey already knows what's coming up. I entitled our message, Expectation Versus Reality. Last week, my sister Jamie had an idea that she got from, um, I think it was TikTok or another platform, uh, of another church placing pictures of each uh, of their members in their usual places uh, that they sit on. The pastor of that church was stunned and teared up. And eventually, I think he did do a full cry, huh? Yeah, he did do a full cry. Um, a very dramatic and heartwarming moment. Um, so my sister then passed this idea along to my wife, Anna, and they took off with this idea last Saturday night. The, not this one, but the one prior to. They were hoping and were expecting um, to encourage me, of course, and at the same time, expecting a dramatic moment, a crying moment. Uh, so having that idea last minute, Anna worked on choosing and ordering the pictures for each member without telling me, of course. Sunday, you know, Sunday came and I entered the building and they were quiet here. They were all quiet, which is very suspicious, especially if you're if you know this church. This church is never quiet. <laughs> it's what it was unusual. John, John, and Mikey had their cameras rolling, and uh, which got me more suspicious. So the chairs had the pictures of the members and some some of our adherents, our regular visitors, um, but to. My wife's dismay and, and uh, the, the guys with the cameras dismay. I did not cry, but I completely missed what they were trying to do, <laughs> which was to capture me to be emotional and shed a tear and maybe utter the words, oh, wow, how I miss these folks. Instead, my words were, this is weird. <laughs> What's going on? And both guys still, they kept following me and, Still, they were still quiet, so I thought it, there was a joke coming up. I really thought somebody was going to pop up one of the chairs, or maybe they were trying to test me if I know who's missing, or um, if they misplaced a, a member in a different uh, chair. So I completely missed it. So what they were expecting wasn't what happened. It wasn't the reality. So this evening, as we are still in our Resurrection series, studying the appearances of the resurrected Christ 
and the lessons behind them. Uh, last week, we looked into Jesus' reinstating Peter and having a fellowship breakfast uh, meal with them and affirming them of his resurrected body and what he wanted them to do. Tonight, we will be studying in the book of Acts, written by the Apostle Luke, and to show what possibly were the expectations of the disciples. I know I read about the ascension of Christ, but we're not going to be studying that. We're going to be uh, studying other things that was revealed to me this evening. Um, so we have a couple of observations. Um, a couple of observations here. Um, in Acts 1-2-4, to, to 4, I, 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 I put the question here, why is there such an emphasis on Jesus Christ resurrecting or resurrection? Why is there such a, 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 an emphasis on that? If you look at 2-4 to four here, um, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And what I also observe was the doctrine of election. Whenever my family and I go on a vacation, uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen again, but whenever we did, which I look forward to it, we, we you know, I, I call on certain people. Um, I, I choose certain people to help me in, in, with the three aspects of my life, my house, my business, and the church. So around the house, there are things to do, and I give a list of, of things to do uh, for whoever uh, I've chosen or whoever has volunteered to help me out. Uh, it has to do with the, with the dogs, the mail, the trash, you know, the plants, um, when the trash day is, when to take the trash out. Uh, I know these three guys, I've, <laughs> I've commissioned you guys to do it every now and before, right, in the past. And in, in, in my business, I would choose another agent that I work with to maybe assist me with certain things that I already have in place with certain transactions or maybe a possible transaction. I have somebody waiting on the line for me to help me out. And then for the church, a brother who will preach the word for me, somebody who will lead the prayer meeting and maybe do some counseling or visitations for the sick, whoever's in the hospital, whatnot. And maybe somebody that will uh, replace me to, to run a Bible study that I have uh, going on. So there's a lot of things to do. And I, I choose certain people and I give them a list of instructions. Quite lengthy at times. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's, you know, it depends on what kind of task it is and what responsibility uh, they have. But still, I choose the people and then I give them the list. And same thing here with Jesus here. It's the same thing with our Lord here. Our Lord Jesus made it a point to appear to his disciples after suffering the cross, after his death on the cross. A total of 40 days, he chose who to appear to and have fellowship with. He also made it a point in the gospel writers here, Luke, that he ate with them. There's always that part that he ate with them. He chose to eat with them. I, I believe it not because he was hungry, but he it was to prove that he was that he had a, a, a physical body that he could eat, that he's just not a spirit or a ghost, but he is alive and he can, can consume food. So the emphasis of him being alive is, is crucial. I know um, in, in, in many of our resurrection uh, Sunday messages, it is to prove that he's 
he was true to his promise that he is God and that is the foundation of our faith. And I also saw there, you know, the, that he made the choice. He, that there's a doctrine of election there that I won't, I won't touch on it so much, but I, I want to say John 15, 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. The doctrine or the teaching of election is one humbling doctrine. Mainly because for a person who is, who is completely honest, will admit that there is nothing about them that is desirable or should be desired or approved by God. And the more a person learns and knows who God is, the more we know of His holiness his love, his perfection. And then the opposite of that spectrum is how unloving we are, how imperfect we are, how unholy we are. And yet, he chose us. He chose us. Both the Old and the New Testament reveal this truth. And along the Gospel writers, Paul also wrote about this doctrine in his letters. And you can sense the humility and gratitude behind it. There's many, but here's one of them from 2 Thessalonians 2.13. I think I have it on the screen. Um, next slide. There you go. There's a delay. There you go. But we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Now, I have my application here is, have you been chosen by Jesus to do a certain thing? It could be officially as a ministry here at church, or it could be officially just with you. God chose you to do a certain thing. But you know that you were called and chosen by God to minister to a believer or an unbeliever. With this church or a different church? To encourage them, even by just your mere presence or by giving your time to talk to them through the phone or simple text. That you have been faithful to and could sense that God is pleased with you. Do you have that calling? Have you been called to do that? And the opposite also is true and must be asked. Who are the people and what are the ministry or ministries you have been called to do that you have been neglecting to do. May I remind you, my dear brothers and sisters, that it is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ whom, who have chosen you for that specific person or specific task or specific ministry. The, the one reason that I would think that you're neglecting is because you're busy with life, right? I, I agree, life happens. Life happens, and it's busy for some due to activities that they pile on their day. And it could be boring for some due to the laziness they have in their lives. Instead of sleeping early or reading their word and studying and spending time in prayer, because of their lazy lifestyle and spirit, no desire for God, their, day, their days are piled up with shows, movies to watch, and stay up till 5 o'clock in the morning, and the next day only to be sleeping the whole day. The next day, they wake up at 5 or 6 o'clock in the uh, afternoon, and then they repeat that vicious cycle. 
and then there's no more time for God. But there are also those, those busybodies that, that um, can't be sitting down. They think they're productive, but then all those things that they accomplish, but then they, they end up neglecting the ministries Christ has called them to do. Because at the end of the day, you're tired, you're hungry, you're grumpy, and most of all, you're out of time. Right? You're out of time. There's only 24 hours in the day. And then how much of that you usually give the Lord our leftovers. One thing these two set of believers, the lazy and the busybody, have in common is that they have neglected Jesus and their lives reflect that God isn't their priority. Now, how sad is that? We have to really think about that. If it is God who chose us for that calling, if it was Him who called us for that ministry, for that person, and yet we are neglecting it, we are actually neglecting Christ. That's our that's my observations. That's not, that's not even, that's basically how I stab you. I shock you, right? I shock you first, and then, I, then I'm going to go to like squeeze it in. Stab you in and squeeze it in with my two points tonight. Two points this evening. First point is the Holy Spirit. And then the second point is witnesses. Let's get to our first point. The Holy Spirit. Mm. What is it? The Holy Spirit. Acts 1.4. 1, 1, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Uh, this is the first stay in place order, I think. <laughs> stay where you are we have to know the holy spirit folks we have to know the holy spirit who he is what his purpose is and how and who and how how we can have him right and and, and what his purpose is we can have an entire series dedicated to the holy spirit the god the third god the third person in the godhead but tonight we will just have have a brief uh, uh, explanation of who he is and is, is uh, in the passage in relation to the passage we read in Acts chapter 1. First point, who? Who? He is the third person in the Godhead. He was in the beginning in Genesis 1. The Spirit of the Lord, it reads there, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters, Genesis 1-2. Who he is is announced by Jesus. Here is the same one whom he spoke about. I have John 15. If you go to your Bibles in, in John 15, verse 26 to 27, it reads, When the Advocate comes, Advocate meaning the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And then turn to John 16, we're going to be reading from verse 12 to 13. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. The main purpose of God the Holy Spirit is to testify about Jesus Christ. And His message is to remind, to teach, to guide God's people. He reveals Jesus to those who are blindly 
who are blinded spiritually. The Holy Spirit is one of the greatest examples. He's one of the greatest examples of, of, of someone who's humble. He doesn't seek attention to himself, but rather he serves as a spotlight to focus on Jesus Christ and his works. We have a lot to learn from the Holy Spirit. And that's the one thing that we can learn from, that he wants us to constantly keep our eyes on Jesus. And that is his job. And as the Bible teaches us, every believer of Jesus Christ, those who have accepted him as their Lord, God the Holy Spirit indwells among us. And then he gives us, he, he empowers us, and he enables us to do the work that God has chosen us God has chosen for us to do. So God chooses us to do a certain thing, and then God empowers us to, to do that certain thing. Isn't that a guaranteed win? That's a guaranteed win. In Romans 8, 11, this is the new, uh, new Living Translation, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. This is talking to the believers. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. I'm pretty sure most of you have heard what anab anabolic steroids are, right? You know, if you properly use anabolic steroids, it can aid in the treatment of blood disorders, connective tissue disease, and some cancers, intractable arthritis, and some sexual dysfunctions, and other serious illnesses. But because of their potentially serious side effects, they must be prescribed and used only under close medical supervision. When, properly, you, when improperly used, anabolic steroids can cause serious health damage, such as high blood pressure and heart disease liver damage and cancers and stroke and blood clots. Other side effects of steroids include nausea and vomiting, increased risk of ligament and tendon injuries, headaches, aching joints, muscle cramps, diarrhea, sleep problems, and severe acne. Now a lot of big-name athletes, why am I talking about anabolic steroids? Because steroids uh, for some athletes or some athletes would choose to use it so that they can be strengthened, that they can perform more than they would normally perform. So some big names were disgraced after being found out and proven of using this illegal drug and, and because they want to attain glory, because they want to, to be in, uh, in stardom, they want to hit that, and they want in that whatever sport that they are playing in uh, and dedicated their lives into, they took the risk of harming themselves in order for them to be victorious because the steroids, steroids taking it, helps them perform better. One example is Lance Armstrong. I know there's other many other examples there, but after he was found, uh, after it, it was discovered and investigated that he did it, he lost everything as if it never happened. Now, the opposite of steroids, unlike the steroids, the Holy Spirit empowers the believer 
not for the believers, not for the believer's glory, but for the glory of God, right? So the believer isn't productive for Jesus if he or she doesn't rely on the Holy Spirit. It's the opposite of the world. With steroids, you have to take it so you perform well, right? Somehow it's similar, but then but then it'll harm the person that will take the steroids. But it, it, in our faith, in the spiritual realm, you cannot perform well without the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, with the Holy Spirit, you are not gratifying yourself. You are not glorifying yourself, but rather you are glorifying Jesus Christ. It is the opposite of what steroids use. Believers want to do it on our own. For, you know, for the believers that want to do it on their own strength, the result of their ministries or their work for God is always in vain, right? And that's a constant reminder for us that we need to rely on the Holy Spirit that indwells in us. That's why Jesus reminded them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you heard me speak about. And then in John 15, 5, Jesus told us and reminded us, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. So that's why Jesus' reminder was for us to stay in place. <laughs> stay so that you will, and then wait for the Holy Spirit. Folks, believers, is your ministry, is your work for God in vain? Have you been relying on yourself? Have you been relying on your studies more than the Holy Spirit empowering you? Have you been relying on your talents more than, more than relying on God that will be, that is the one that gave you that talent in the first place? Or is it you having pride in yourself now and taking the glory instead of quickly reminding yourself that everything about you and any accomplishments that you might be having in your ministry is from God and only through God. Our second point, witnesses. Am I lost there? Okay, no. Acts. Acts, uh, verse 6 to 8. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And in verse 7 to 8, um, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. I our title is Expectation versus Reality, right? The question from the disciples here, even after the resurrection, the question of, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They are still expecting a political change. They were still expecting a power shift that they can understand. They still did not get that it's going to be above what they are expecting. It's not a political shift. It's not a power shift, but rather it's for the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, just like us, we expect God to move in certain ways. And that's usually to improve our way of life. 
That's how we, we expect God. When God is moving in our lives or other people's lives, we expect that it's a, there's, there's, there's a betterment in, in financially or relationally and times politically. You know, when we have our faith on God, we, we think that everything should be peachy. For some, we tend to say He isn't working or He's not with us if these particular things in our lives are failing. Our expectation of coming into our, our relationship with Christ is that we will have a good and prosperous life. Translated, usually, you know, prosperous is usually what our idols are. What our idols are above and, above and beyond our relationship with the Lord. And then when we don't meet, when those expectations are not met, when those expectations are not met, we think, we think that God's not real, or we God doesn't love us, or God's not powerful enough to help us in those situations. But instead of seeing that God has revealed that these things, these people have become more important to us, or are important, more important to us than having a real intimate relationship with Him. You know, there are many stories of someone using someone else just for what they can get from those people instead of a real intimate love relationship with them. There are many gold digging stories that you can you can find out for yourselves, but it's out there, right? How, there, there's so many sad stories there that people pretend they love someone but rather, they really don't. They don't love the person. They just love what that person can give them or is giving them. Usually a better life. And somehow, you know, like a sugar mommy or a sugar daddy. Right? And somehow, sometimes we only look at God that way. A sugar daddy. Like, Lord, give me this. Oh, you're not going to give me that? Okay, I'm not going to pray to you anymore. Lord, you haven't, uh, you haven't responded to my request. You haven't given me the girl that I've been praying for. Or the guy that I've been praying for. Or the house that I've been praying for. Or the promotion that I've been praying for. So never mind. I'll stop praying. I guess you can't hear me or you won't answer my prayer. Or you really don't love me that much. I have a question here. Is your expectation of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, only for your own personal holiness or personal gain? Although that is partly true, because apart from Him, we, can't, we cannot do anything, right? Apart from Him. And we can't, apart from Christ, apart from the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything that is pleasing to God. Even the contentment part, even being content with our lives, which is in Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all this, which is being content with life. Because He said, I have known what have, what, to have much, and I have known what to have little. But then he said, I can do all this through him who strengthens me. So even contentment comes from God. Not from us. We, we don't learn to be content. Naturally, we are, always, we are always craving for something. We are always in want. But only through the Holy Spirit can we find contentment with whatever we have. Contentment with our wives, our, 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 our spouse, our children, with our lives. If you believe in the reality of being empowered, being indwelt, being the temple of the Holy Spirit, should it not drive you, believer of Jesus, 
to be his witness to the world. Now, some people say, oh, because I don't have the gift of evangelism. It's not for me to do. It's for someone else to do. And you know, I, I say what I say to that is maybe you have to keep reading your word and you will see that everyone who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit cannot contain the, that truth about the gift of salvation. Somebody who is filled with the Holy Spirit cannot shut up or cannot remain quiet about how good God has been, about how, how Christ has changed our lives, and what Christ has done on the cross that guarantees them heaven. That's my belief. And that's what I've been reading. That's what I, I, I observe here. And I read and I understand. The Holy Spirit cannot contain the truth. A person who is filled with the Holy Spirit cannot contain the truth, but rather is overflowing with it. And we will read about that in Acts 2. Um, some people say, I don't want to offend people. That's why I don't want to witness. I don't want to offend people. I don't want to be controversial. I don't want to. This is the one thing that I hate about our faith is, is that I have to share it and somehow maybe somehow sound imposing uh, my faith uh, upon them. You know, and I don't want I don't want to be persecuted because my friends will hate me, and my mom will hate me, or my dad will hate me once they find out, once I start uttering these these words that Jesus loves me and that Jesus died for me and I accepted him. And then you can do the same. They will hate me. They will persecute me. You know, the meaning of witness, um, the original language is uh and I got it, martos or martos. It means uh, uncertain affinity. A witness, a witness in a legal sense, a witness in a legal sense, a witness in a historical sense, and a witness in an ethical sense. You know, for example, in an ethical sense, those who are after his example have proved the strength and genuineness, genuineness of their faith in Christ by undergoing a violent death. So Christ said, wait for the Spirit so that you can be my witnesses. So that you can be my witnesses in Reno Sparks. So you don't want to be persecuted, so you don't want to be a witness. Because that goes with the original language. That's the meaning of the orig original language, a martyr. You're going to be a martyr. We are supposed to be martyrs for Jesus. Yes, we have to open you. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit... You're going to be saying Jesus. You're going to be talking about Jesus. You're going to be talking about how grateful you are. How in love you are to Him. Because how much He loves you. He can't shut up about Him. And yes, He will be persecuted. That's what a witness is. We're supposed to be martyrs for Christ. <sighs> Acts. Chapter 6. Well, I think I missed my part here. Let me see this one. Is the for, the one before that is okay? I missed one slide. If you guys can please turn your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter one. I'm going to be reading verse seven and again verse nine and eleven. He reads here. He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority." Right. Both instances, and in, and in 9 to 11, 
After he said this, he has taken up from before their eyes. He was taken up before their eyes and the cloud hid him, talk about Christ, from their sight. And then if you look at verse 11, it reads, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, right? They're just standing. And then in both instances, in verse 7 and verses 9 to 11, the disciples were distracted from the big picture. That's what I... I, 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 uh, I observed some believers focus much more on the political shift or gain, political shift or gain of our faith. They focus more on when God is coming and then, they're, they're, and then the hidden codes, hidden codes in the Bible, particularly about his, his second coming. Many times these believers cause many to stumble when they make predictions of the day and time while it's clear that no one will know the day and time. But I, I have a sneaky suspicion that, that these people do it for personal glory. You know, they, they somehow want to say, I know my Bible more than you and I will reveal to you something that you have never heard before. So behold yourself and you're welcome. And in other times, verses 9 to 11, we get stuck to personal moments with God. We get stuck in, the per, in our mountain, quote-unquote, mountain experiences. Remember, Peter had a mountain experience with Jesus. Uh, that's in Luke 9.33. Let me read that real quick. As Moses and, and Elijah were star, starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Sometimes we get stuck in those, oh, man, when we went to, on a mission trip, that was it. I was so high. I had that high with the Lord. And then we go back to the valley. We go get off that, that mountain experience, and we go to the, down the valley, and there's nothing's happening. And then we just, we just you know, we, 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 we try to think about, and remember and romanticize that moment. Oh, back in the days, that was so good. I get people tell me about their 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 successful ministries from many years ago, or or even this. Catch this, things that they think they made sense many years ago. They tell me about it, and they get stuck to that. Now, there's 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 nothing wrong when you're sharing those experiences, but I believe there is something wrong when you're stuck in those experiences. And you don't do anything else other than just reminisce. My fellow Christ followers, I ask you lovingly the same questions as the angels ask the disciples. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? If you believe that Jesus will come back, right? I believe that too. But we all know, we don't know when. But if we believe that he's coming back and we don't know when, then what does that what what should that create in us and spur in our hearts? That we should be be vigilant. We should be active in telling people about Christ, about witnessing to people about who Christ is and what Christ has done for our lives and what Christ has done for them particularly about paying for their sins by dying on the cross. In essence, I believe, the angels were asking, what are you standing around for? What are you waiting for? Christ is coming back. 
Go and be his witnesses as he instructed. Now they were told to stay and wait for the Holy Spirit. But in Luke 24, 52-53, Luke, Luke recorded there, then they worshipped him. This is a continuance of that. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Praising God. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he spent a lot of days leaving and reminding his disciples important instructions, especially about the Holy Spirit coming down and indwelling in them and all the believers alike. This is an experience that Moses and the, that Mo, the, the Israelites during Moses' time could not experience. And we are experiencing it. The main duty of the Holy Spirit is to glorify, magnify Jesus and to empower His believers to do the same thing, to glorify and to magnify Jesus. The, public, the problem with us human beings is that we have different expectations versus what reality is. We have different expectations of who God is for us versus the reality. We think God serves us. Our expectation is that God serves us instead of God serving us. Oh, we expect that God serves us instead of us serving Him. All right. I'm glad I heard myself there. Sorry for the smart people. I know you weren't confused. I confused myself. Without the empowering of the Holy Spirit, once witnessing... One's witnessing of testimony will be in vain compared to one who relied and depended and trusted in the Holy Spirit's empowering and anointing. Just like the one, just like the one salvation, just like with one salvation, with a, a person's salvation or approval of God, human beings expect that their good works will, is sufficient or will be sufficient and will be accepted and approved by God. And that there's no need for them to accept Christ. And, 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 and they reject the work of Christ. And they think it's incomplete. Because they think their works is enough. Their religion is enough. And then rejecting the work of Christ on the cross. Loved ones, it is best for us to heed to the realities that God has told and instructed us. And drop all the unrealistic expectations, untrue expectations we have of God and about Him, about His will and His ways. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. You could be sincerely wrong. There's no arguing the reality of God. If there was another way for us to be saved then Christ would have not died on the cross. That's speaking to you. Whoever you are and you still have not surrendered your life to Christ, I'm speaking to you. You can't rely on your religion. You can't do enough good works to pay for the sins, the offenses that you have done. But if you, but if you believe in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and what He has done, that pays for it all. Because that's the perfect work of Christ. 
And then now I'm going to be speaking to my brothers and my sisters, the believers of Christ. Believers of Christ. We are to witness. We are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we are to share Jesus. We are to share Jesus to a dying world. There is no other way. Expectations versus reality. There's always something else, right? Something always happens. Things doesn't always happen the way we expect them to happen. And especially when it comes to our faith. Most of the time, if we think we can do it on our own, Christ reveals that we can't. And reminds us, you have to rely on me. You have to remain in me. And for the people that are trying to save themselves with their religion, Christ is good to remind them. That if you were able, if you were supposed to, if you are able to do it on your own, I would have not died on the cross. That is our message this evening. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we are so grateful for being who you are and what you have done for us. Thank you for being wise and powerful. You are our all-knowing God, almighty God. Forgive us for the times that we think we know better than you and dictate how things should be and how they should go. Thank you for the reminder that we, your believers, should completely and utterly rely on the Holy Spirit that you have sent to indwell in us, to help us with the ministries that you've called us to do, and to be a part of and to witness the truth about your son and his perfect work on the cross we thank you for reminding us that we that we are and have and will accomplish everything that we have and are and will accomplish is all from you and because you willed it not because of our hard work or our dedication, but because we obeyed you, relied and trusted everything on you. We thank you for your perfect work, your perfect sacrifice. We thank you for you. Thank you for giving us your begotten son to die the death that we were supposed to die so that we can live a life that we weren't supposed to live. Forgive us for the times that we forget this truth and act differently. That is not glorifying to you. We ask for your help, Lord God, that we will be able to live for you and glorify you with our lives every day, Lord God. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail. We ask this in your Son's beautiful name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said... Amen. Amen.